Hey everyone, welcome to Pink Shade with Erin Martin. It's another snow day here in Wisconsin. Yes, the kids are off school for the seventh day in the past month. I cannot believe what is happening here. Pray for me. But you know what? That's okay, because today I get to talk about true crime with one of my favorite people, Michelle Likowski from The Jenny McCarthy Show. You can hear her on there five days a week on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109, and you can also catch her great podcast. It's called Never Tell Your Stories, and she promises she's going to be putting some new episodes out soon. I just love her, and she and I are always trading our thoughts about what we're watching on Netflix and any true crime documentaries that are out there, and of course, we had to discuss the Ted Bundy documentary that was recently released on Netflix. You might have seen it yourself, and if you haven't, you can certainly listen to this podcast and follow along today because everything in it is basically things we already know, but it did present you know, a lot of audio footage and video footage that I had never been witness to before, and I learned some things that I never, ever knew before um, that <laughs> maybe were common knowledge but were new to me. So you guys all know who Ted Bundy is. I mean, Ted Bundy is one of the most infamous serial killers in the world. And we know what the myth is around him, that he was this handsome, charismatic guy who wooed women and got them into his evil clutches. But I kind of, I I had a long talk with Michelle about, was this true? And I think the documentary even had some shortcomings in that respect, where they were kind of playing into that myth as well. Because I don't know that that's necessarily the Ted Bundy that really, truly was the man who women saw him as. I think mostly men, especially in the trial afterwards, saw him this way. But anyway, that's a conversation I think worth getting into. But let me give you some breakdown about just like basic stats about Bundy before we get into the Netflix documentary. It's four parts, and it's definitely worth watching. I definitely recommend it. Uh, I don't recommend watching it before you go to bed, but I recommend it. So check it out and let me know what you think. It's called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy Tapes. But here are the stats. So Ted Bundy, Theodore Robert Bundy, was he was born Theodore Robert Cowell, actually, was born in November 1946, and he died in January of 1989. He was an American serial killer, kidnapper, rapist, burglar, and necrophile who assaulted and murdered numerous young women and girls during the 1970s and possibly earlier. After more than a decade of denials, he confessed to 30 homicides that he had committed in seven states between 1974 and 1978. He was ultimately caught in Florida. But he did not only kill in Florida, as many of you know. The true number of victims also is unknown still. He confessed to 30. It could possibly be higher than that. It's likely higher than that. Many of Bundy's young female victims regarded him. Now, here's here's the myth that I think. They regarded him as handsome and charismatic, which were traits that he exploited to win their trust. Now, here is something that we all know he did do. He would He would approach women in places, public places, pretending he was injured or he had a disability, or sometimes he would impersonate a cop or an authority figure before he'd overpower and assault them and take them to a secluded location. He sometimes revisited his secondary crime scenes where he dumped bodies, grooming and performing sexual acts with the decomposing corpses until putrefaction set in. Uh, Yeah, not much more to say about that. On a few occasions, he broke into dwellings at night and bludgeoned his victims as they slept. 
and end the crimes he was finally caught for in Florida. That's exactly what he did in a sorority house. He would keep some trophies from his victims. He was known to decapitate at least 12 of his victims and kept some of their severed heads as mementos in his apartment. In 1975, Bundy was jailed for the first time when he was incarcerated in Utah for aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. Now, this is interesting because the documentary actually talks to the woman who got away, the woman who got away from Ted Bundy. I mean, he was obviously going to kill her. She was his next victim and she lived through it. A couple of women in Florida actually lived through the final assault as well, but they were not featured in the documentary. But while he was in Utah awaiting arraignment, or is it called that? Let me see. Am I getting this right? He became a suspect in a longer list of unsolved homicides because the state started talking to one another. He was facing murder charges in Colorado. And so in Colorado, when he was being held there, he actually escaped twice. He engineered two dramatic escapes and committed further assaults, again, including the three murders in Florida before his ultimate capture in 1978. For the Florida homicides, he received three death sentences in two separate trials, in which he represented himself as his own lawyer, like the psycho he is. Bundy was eventually executed in the electric chair at Florida State Prison on January 24th, 1989, not before he married a woman who he proposed to at the trial where he represented himself and had a baby with her, a daughter, by copulating with her in prison. In this documentary, you will hear from him describing his crimes in the third person, which is what one reporter got him to do. And this is the whole impetus behind this documentary, the Ted Bundy tapes. There are hours and hours of tapes of Ted Bundy from behind bars talking about what this person, this killer, would do if he were going about these crimes in the same way Bundy did. He would never talk about the crimes in first person. So he separated himself from it like that. And the reporter got him to basically explain a lot, which led to some profiling help that Bundy did. I hate to even call it help. I hate to give him any credit for anything. But he helped the FBI actually profile some serial killers later on in the same way by comparing his own actions in third person to what other serial killers on the loose were doing. As we know, serial killers really only started to be understood or even called serial killers in the 1970s and into the 1980s. We didn't even have a term for it before then. Ted Bundy has become infamous because of his killings, because of his heinous crimes, and also because of the role he played before he was put to death in bringing this term to light and shedding light on the mind of a serial killer. So here is Michelle Likowski to join me in talking about our reaction to watching this four-part documentary on Ted Bundy, Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy Tapes. Here we go. Michelle, thank you for talking to me about Ted Bundy today. Oh, he's one of my favorite people. So I'm glad that we could have this time. I'm kidding. 
I don't believe he's a good person in case someone was listening and believed me. No. Okay. Back to, let's do our official disclaimer, our official and unofficial disclaimer. We get things wrong. We also, we also like to talk about really creepy, uh, usually involving some kind of serial killer or murder stories, documentaries. And we like to talk about the absurdities in them and our opinions. We are not here to do a true, I'm doing air quotes now, a true deep dive on all of the information. But we both did watch the four part conversations with a killer, the Ted Bundy yes. tapes on Netflix. And I have a lot of thoughts and I know you do too. I, I'm always thinking. And also I'd like to point out, we're not psychiatrists. We're not psychologists. We are not police people. We are barely women. So please take all of what we say with a grain of salt. Thank you. I, Thank bar- you I don't even have a valid driver's license right now. What? <laughs> go get it renewed the other day because we have to get that real ID. And so I have a piece of paper in my purse right now that says this person has a valid driver's license. It's just not mailed to them right away. I had to get this piece of paper. So like I have to show that to a cop if I get pulled over. I'm like, wow, I know. So I don't know. I might be here. I might be deported. This license make me look fat. All right. So anyway, let's start before the documentary even happened. I mean, obviously, we both watched this because we're way deep into all of this shit, all this true crime stuff. And Ted Bundy is like at the top of the list, right up there with Manson, with names that you recognize when you think about psychos. He's one of the big hitters. He's one of the big hitters. Uh, People know his name and they don't even know why they know his name. I grew up, you know, we're like four years apart, right? But we grew up in the same basic time period. I grew up with my mom referencing Ted Bundy all of the time. Like she would be like, well, Ted Bundy was nice too. Well, Ted Bundy was handsome too. Like anyone who was like, I mean, that, and I think that was like an ex cult member kind of twitch that she had yeah. too, because she was just really suspicious. <laughs> Good for her. Good I for know. her. She was not Jan's parents. Go on. She was not Jan's parents and abducted in plain sight, which what the fuck? Yeah, we, we'll talk about that another time. We will. I'm sorry. I can't just stop talking. Oh my god, then. Okay. Oh my god, but she, yeah, but she would always reference Bundy like you never know because Ted Bundy didn't look like a serial killer and just such a nice looking guy. From an early age, though, I remember being like, "Well, what does a crazy person look like?" Like I don't. It was always emphasized that he did not fit the mold. Yet most of the most of the fictional serial killer we have post Ted Bundy is based on him. Yep. Um, I think the fascinating thing is that uh, people are so up in arms about, uh, which, by the way, I haven't seen people saying, oh, how attractive this guy is. I've only seen the 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 um, not flashback, the hit back, whatever that word is for people saying, don't find Ted Bundy attractive. Like, I don't know who's saying that he is attractive to begin with, but the point of Ted Bundy in your life and in many cautionary tales is that you don't know what a serial killer looks like. Right. They are just like us. They are people who usually have been hit on the head somehow very hard. They wet their beds. They hurt small animals. They there's a lot. There's a list. It's there's the three M's. I don't know what that is, but like there's a, a list, but it's all behind the curtain of this face that could be anybody. Right. So uh, Ted Bundy is terrifying in that he, quote unquote, his eyes were perfectly symmetrical in his face. Like, I don't know. Right. He didn't look like the hills have eyes coming at you no. with a machete. No. Right. Correct. Or leather face or whatever. Right. 
not at all. We moved to Seattle um, when he, I think 74 is when he started. Yes. We, we moved there for, um, of, uh, my mom, I don't remember, by the way, I was three. Um, but my mom was at the university of Washington then. Oh my God. Yeah. But she didn't look like a co-ed because she was 44. Um, and by the way, I don't ever want to talk to my mother. But I almost called her to ask her if she remembered anything about Ted Bundy. That's how desperate you were to talk true crime. <sighs> yeah, it came close. But who needs Jesus? It's me. She was 44 when that was happening. So she didn't fit in the mold. But oh, my God, I do want to know what she knows or remembers, though. All right. I might. Oh, for my birthday, I'll call her. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look kidding. at you taking one for the team. Yeah, it's it's for all of us. It's podcast research for Never Tell Your Stories. It's true, which will come back. I promise. I swear to God, there's something inside of me that's like, I don't know if I can talk about this woman anymore. She really did a number. But I, I want to. So uh, please just just yell at me at Mo Likowski and just tell me I have to because you will help me to do it. We're staying subscribed, girl. We're on. We're with you. Thank you, guys. Um, So she was there. And then I was in Colorado um, with my sister when he was in Colorado. What? My sister was, yeah, my sister, Shondell, um, yes, Shondell, was um, uh, someone who signed for the deaf. And she had this obsession with John Denver. And she, I don't know how, but she got a job as a nanny in Aspen and then met John Denver and was like, I signed for the deaf. And John was like, hey, I need someone to sign for the deaf at these concerts. And so she would do that in Aspen, Colorado, when John Bundy or Ted, who the fuck is John? Ted Bundy was killing people. <laughs> like, it's like Ted Bundy didn't know it, but he was haunting my every move. We didn't have any ties to Utah. So I apologize for that. What year was he in Florida where he finally gotten when he finally got busted? I think I was eight. So I think it was like 79. OK, that's when I lived in Florida as a little <gasps> girl. That's when we oh escaped God. the call. Oh we lived in Florida. And I think that's why my mom is go went crazy ever since then. She had just left the Kobu with my father. We had moved. Holy we had, shit. We had gotten to Florida. And you guys can hear all of this on Cult Talk with Aaron Martin. The first five episodes are my mom being interviewed. We had left uh, Manhattan. We had left the cult because my mm -hmm. dad got a job driving a snowbird's car to Florida. What a great way to get out. Right. So we didn't have a car. And so he was like, I got this thing. We can drive this, you know, older couple's car to Florida. I'm like, they were happy to let cult members like drive their car. But <laughs> They're such nice kids. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, retired couple in New Jersey, circa 1979. And you know you didn't have a car seat. <laughs> no, fuck no. I was sitting in a lap in the front, I'm sure. Like, for yeah. sure, I was not even in a back seat. So, yeah, <laughs> we drove somebody's car to Florida, and we lived there. And that is when Ted Bundy got busted, 78 or 79. That was right at that time period. Yes. And then later on, we moved back up north. And when we moved back to Florida and I was in kindergarten, I'm only four or five days apart. My birthday from Adam Walsh, we were almost exactly the same age. We were in kindergarten, not at the oh. same school, but we lived in the same place. And he was abducted in kindergarten when I was in kindergarten. And we were at the same Sears the oh same God. day. I don't know if it was the same time he was abducted. For, for the purpose of this podcast where we don't tell facts, 
factually accurate thing. Exactly the same time. In the same Sears at the same mall that Adam Walsh, Walsh got abducted from in the same area. Yeah, we were living in Miramar, Florida. And um, basically, I mean, you couldn't have terrorized my mom more than like, well, starting off with the cult, then the right. Ted Bundy thing, and then the Adam Walsh thing. And she was like, and we're done with Florida. Like, we're, <laughs> she's like, yeah. we're not, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go back. But I mean, okay, that aside. So we were both, we both like kind of grew up, let's say, with this in the front of our minds because our families talked about it. It was in places that we lived. Also, it was, it was all over the news. You couldn't escape it. Everywhere. But here's the deal. The reason why they couldn't catch this mofo is because they couldn't connect it across the country. That right. actually was something in the documentary I appreciated. There's lots of criticisms yeah. of this documentary that it's from a very male point of view, which it is. I would agree with that. That they don't talk enough to Kathy Kleiner, who got away. I feel like right. she could have had a much more prominent role because getting away from a serial killer Holy is a fuck. rare thing. And yeah. she she had a lot to say about how creepy he was and how she didn't think he was like the smooth talker. And also, there wasn't a lot explained about why he had this persona of being this charming guy with the women because most of the stories about him with women, the girlfriends would break up with him or the girlfriend would call the cops and be like, I think my boyfriend's the serial killer. Like, hello, Elizabeth. Hello. I don't know your last name and then that woman who lived near him in um in uh wooding wood right wood, somewhere in seattle area like she was like he was fucking awful like nobody right. liked him what are you talking about People in his high school were like, he was like a weird blowhard. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, he wasn't a popular guy. So this whole mythology of Ted Bundy, I did agree that the documentary played into that too much. And it, I do see that. Okay. It kept perpetuating that because I'm like, actually, the people in his life didn't think he was that great. And the women who got away said he was like creepy and like freaked them out and was like staring at them in stores. And he wasn't like, hey, can I take you on a date? Like, and then, no. you know what I mean? Like how the movies have fictionalized this series killer to be very, very charismatic. And right. I don't think he was that charismatic. I think that is a mythology that the men investigating it have actually perpetuated. So I will agree with that perspective. But the documentary did a really good job of showing how they botched this shit because of the fact that we have 50 states with 50 different systems of law. It's insane how little and still not as bad, but that there just was no connection from like pick up the phone. Hey, I see you guys got something weird going on. We had that guy, too, or anything. Right. Because it was all over the news. It was all over the news. The MO was the same. Like send you a fax or whatever you had back then. Like do something. <laughs> Telex. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming. Even a goddamn postcard with like all the information just out there for a God and everyone right? to see. Who cares? Like do something. They were like, yeah, but then, you know, we never heard from or from Oregon, Oregon oh my God. where where he had already killed like 17 people. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I was born in Oregon. I forgot about that. So. Oh, my God. It was just. Uh, yeah. And it, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can all yeah. play armchair quarterback. But it was really troubling how it seemed like Jacksonville was the only place that really put the hammer down when he finally committed right. those crimes in the girls, again, sorority house. And they didn't, again, they didn't interview the survivors of that. He tried to kill, what, two or three more women in there. That's true. 
and they didn't interview them at all. Wow. One of those women gave an extensive interview to Rolling Stone. It's linked up in an article I read. I haven't looked at it yet, but I plan on reading it because I'm like, again, he used to just walk in and bludgeon people. They had so much that you can tell that documentary is so well made that they had the resources to do it. They talked to the fucking FBI guy who is the guy who is in that wonderful Netflix uh, series that I'm blanking on that I can't wait for it to come back. Confession. No. Do you know the one I'm talking about? The one that's FBI? No. Oh, oh, oh. The Netflix series, the fictional series, uh, Mindhunter. Yes. Yes. So that's the guy that went and interviewed... That's right. Serial killers. Based on him. Okay. They really, yeah, it really had a lot to do with the male impression of him as a criminal. But you know why they think that is because once he was in the courtroom and he was, you know. Representing himself. Right. Women were mad for him then because he had this confidence that some crazy women out there think is attractive when it's just like, no, he's a serial killer. So I bet that's what they're basing the whole thing off of. They can't get past the narrative that happened after he murdered people. They won't listen to what like he couldn't get dates or when he did, he fucked him up. Exactly. He couldn't hold a relationship. And he also and he blames like a lot of shit on his first girlfriend dumping him, which is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, of course, he's crazy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and then they got to the guy interviewing him finally and why it's called the Ted Bundy tapes. They got him to record these tapes because he was able to talk about himself in the third person. Oh, so creepy. So creepy. I'm having like a garbage truck back up or something. You're hearing some beeps in the background. Sorry. I thought you were hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Feed me. I am a robot. <laughs> Just microwaving a burrito over here while I do a podcast. <laughs> But they, but they had him talk in the third person and they did roll a lot of these tapes. Like you hear him explaining, yeah. well, you know, and he's trying to uh, be like a hashtag psychologist or something. Yes. Do you like, notice that? Armchair psychologist. Right. Well, I, it seems to me that he would, um, he would uh, strangle them because he didn't understand uh, that they couldn't love him or whatever the fuck. He was. Right. Like he was actually trying to make it seem deeper than it was is how it struck me. Yes. And those two guys were really compelling. The two um, people who interviewed him were great. They were. And you know what? I really enjoyed the one who said, I was sick of talking to him. I just wanted this to end. Like he was basically echoing what other people in Bundy's actual life had said about him. He was annoying. He was a blowhard. Like people did not really enjoy him as myth as the myth of Bundy would have us believe. Like he wasn't an enjoyable person to be around. Also, I must have been mistaken. And obviously I was because growing up, I thought he was this type who like took women out on dates and then killed them later. Oh, yeah, no. He marched into bedrooms and just bludgeoned women. So how is that How is that indicative of him being charismatic and, and getting victims to come with him? Or he pretended he had a broken arm right. or crutches. But it happened very quickly. It's not like he had these lengthy uh, romances with women. So how did he become this lady killer man? He wasn't. He, But I think it's all based on these women after the trial, during the trial, being like, I don't know. He just he just speaks to me. He scares me, but I can't stay away. Like, I think it's that. 
I think it's these fucking interviews that they got at the courtroom. And then the woman who married him and had a baby. Oh, that poor little girl, wherever she is. I cannot even believe. Wait, she's our age. She's our age. I had no idea about that. I mean, I had, I was completely ignorant. The fact, I didn't know he married that woman. I didn't know he had a baby and that the prison guard looked the other way. And the stepson. Wait, what? She had a son. Oh. There's a picture of the four of them. Like the boy, Ted, the little girl, and the mom all in a fucking cell, like a family portrait. Oh my God. This is like the darkest love after lockup I've ever heard of. (laughs) Which is my favorite show and it's ruining it for me now. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. But what's not cool, but interesting is that Ted Bundy, uh, the, the Green River Killer, which was also Seattle based, he helped find Gary Ridgway and the Green River Killer was my Ted, my boogeyman because we lived after Ted. He happened in 82 is when he started killing um, uh, sex workers and dumping them in the Green River. And Ted talked to that FBI dude who's very famous and was like, these are what you should look for. And they, he helped. He profiled uh, the Green River Killer. Right. And this is what he did right before his death row. His death sentence was, what do you call it, ratified? I don't know. Like, they basically said, like, you can't get you can't have a stay of execution. We are going to kill you. Like, this is actually going to happen. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, 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 but I can help you. I can help you find other serial killers. Yeah. And so they did use him for that, which I think is maybe the only value he ever offered. Because Gary Ridgway was horrific. He was horrific. And those were, and you know, the Ted Bundy got all the attention because he was killing these women who in society viewed as, are viewed as Valuable. worthwhile. College students, not hookers. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Gary Ridgway killed, I think, 60 people and only got caught for 30. Oh, my God. Our famous ones here are Ed Gein. Oh, Ed. Oh, God. Him and his mama. Yeah, who made the um, lampshades Ooh, and so suits out of women's skin. And and they found all of that. Yeah, basically the Silence of the Lambs kind of yeah. inspiration. But then Bundy was a Silence of the Lambs yep. inspiration, too, because he talked through the glass and helped profile people. Also the broken arm. And the broken arm. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that, that day when Ted did that at... Um, uh, sh- sh- Lake Swishwamish sh- um, is <laughs> he had two women that fucking day. I know. Two. And the way he, at the end in Jacksonville, they said they couldn't believe it. He tried to kill, what, five people in that sorority house? And then he went down the street and killed someone else. Like, he was yeah. at a point where a he was just, yeah, he was just going, uh, it's, I don't even know. There's no word for it. He went crazy the first time he ever harmed anyone. So I shouldn't say, yeah. oh, he went crazy at the end. No, but it's it's called going berserker. It's it's a, it's a, it's a term. And, hey, listen, if I could be anything, it'd be a social, a serial killer uh professional but like it's it is a thing that happens like you are like oh well he's you know he he did it every two months it wasn't terror it was terrible everything is terrible but then at the end he goes into berserker mode and then it's just like heightened killing because they know they're gonna get caught okay okay is that is that really called that berserker yeah stop i thought you were like making that (laughs) 
No, I mean, I make up a lot of shit. I love that that's actually a term, Michelle. Yes. That's crazy. Berserker mode. Oh, my God. I'm going to start using that on people that aren't serial killers. I mean, like, you're ready to go into berserker mode. Um, I hope that I'm not wrong because I thought that a group of raccoons was some of raccoons for a long time. And I told a lot of people that and it's not. So here's hoping that I'm not wrong. You know, I saw, okay, so we're still experiencing the aftershock of the polar vortex. I saw a raccoon skitter across my lawn the other day, which is just a sheet of ice. It's snow covered by an ice storm, covered by sleet and freezing rain, and then it went down to negative 25 last night. So, like, you could, the ground is like Antarctica. Like, you, my dog can walk on the top of it and he'll never go through, but it's about three feet higher than what the grass should be. So, yeah, this raccoon, dink, 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 comes creeping along. I'm like, (laughs) is that a human being in a raccoon costume? It was the size of me. It was like five foot seven. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. I also had a raccoon in my roof one time, which lived there for a month in our last house. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but that was my serial killer moment. Yeah. Hearing it crawl across your ceiling at night. Oh, no, that's not okay. Yeah. Anyway, but Berserker, yeah, he he did that. He, let's go back to Bundy, not Raccoon. So he did that at okay. the end and he just went freaking hog nut. Yeah and, yeah. and and got caught. Thank God. But they could only really try him for what happened in that state. Yeah. Yeah. Because is that and now you can go from state to state to state, right? Like if you kill someone in one state, you can go to the next one and get tried. Or am I making that up? Don't they fight over people? Yes. Isn't that what they call? What is it? Extradited or? Yes. Like when they're in Mexico and then they're like, no, we're going to take you back. Right. Like Keith Ranieri, who's in New York, getting tried for his crimes in New York, not for his crimes in Mexico because they extradited, extradited him back to New York, the leader of Nexium. Ugh, yeah, oh, I knew who you were talking about. You're on ground floor with all of this. I know that. Not all of it. Not all of it. But I, I have dipped my toe in a little bit. So did you know anything about the escapes? Yeah, I do remember. I actually remember that. I don't remember Jack squat about that. I was like, obviously, nobody told me because I didn't go looking. And so right. I was watching that. I was like, he escaped not once, but twice. 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 So here's a fun uh, story. I was visiting my sister Shondell with my other sister, Dina. I was seven, I want to say. And my sister Dina was 17. And my mother put me and Dina in the 70s or or. I don't know what year, on a bus to Aspen, Colorado, a Greyhound bus, two girls. Oh, my God. Fucking put on. And then um, as we're going. Did you just take like milk cartons with you so you could put your pictures right on them? And Dina's like, hey, did you hear Ted Bundy just fucking escape while we were going? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So so real, real hero. Oh, my God. We we really do need to make that birthday call. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. So so he escaped twice. Okay, the first time, did you notice how nobody seemed like they wanted to take responsibility for especially that first one? Because the first one, they just weren't watching him. They just weren't watching (laughs) his psycho ass. He was doing his law work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> representing himself. Representing. So he was in an office and they were like, yeah, we just went out for a smoke break. And I'm like, oh with the God. serial killer in there? And they're like, yeah. The 140 pounds one, though, that's that's the crazy one. And they're both crazy. But wait, what do you mean 140 pounds? 
He was 140 pounds, and that's how he got out of the jail. Because he slipped through a tiny hole. Oh, that's... Wait, no, that's the second one, right? Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm more obsessed by the second one because the first one was like, uh, fooled you once. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? the, first, the first one's like, oh, who's up there? Oh, it's just Bundy. He's next to an open window. No big deal. And so he jumps out a window and hides out in the woods for like, yeah, a week or something. And then he drives back into town and gets caught like pretty much on purpose because he's hungry and he wants a hamburger. Like he's so stupid. And he's again, he's not this mastermind that people think he is. But no, no, he wasn't even that smart. But he does escape again. And it's through this little tiny hole in a prison cell. I I would think his head was too big. I know. Like. And you can be 140 pounds and still have a head. That hole was tiny. Exactly. I know. And he escaped again. But then how did he get caught the second time? He went to Florida. Oh, my God. That's right. He didn't get caught the second time. No, he fucking got from Colorado to Florida. I am so confused. OK, so, yeah, he went the whole Isn't way from right? Colorado. I mean, no, you're right. And the, and the people who on his watch the first time let him escape. I mean, the fact that they aren't more yeah, contrite is probably because he was caught again. Right. Yeah. Not through any like smarts of theirs. Like they they didn't orchestrate that big capture. Like he just basically got caught himself. But the second escape. Oh, my God. I mean, the fact that (laughs) he killed then all of those women afterwards. Yeah, I know. I mean, how do they live with themselves? Is that why they have so much pot? Seriously. And how (laughs) does this woman who he proposed to in his trial? What's what's her damage, Heather? Oh, God. She is so molested by her dad. Like there is something terrible. I'm so really bad. I'm sorry. No, no, I get I hear you, though. She's got some real deep stuff going on. She she had a kid. I know before like that part. You don't bring a child into you already have one that you're fucking up. Don't bring another one. Well, and then she before she had that child, she was smuggling the drugs in in her hoo-ha. With her vagina. <laughs> oh my God. Vagina drugs. And you know they didn't have like Ziploc bags. No, let's be real. I mean, we grew up with we we all know what it was. It was a baggie, and those baggies don't close. They do not close. Mm -mm. My sandwich was all over the place. We didn't have the vagina drug technology that we have today. Thank you. Which is stellar, by the way. And then he put it up his ass. I know. I'm like, do was it lubed? How? I need more details about that. That's the okay. That was my some questions like that. Like what? Because the documentary gave us really, you know, detailed reports of things like that. But then was like, oh yeah, these two women lived in the Jacksonville uh, slaughter, but we're just not going to talk to them. Right. I'm like, but we know that he got vagina drugs and put him up his a hole. So like, right? Wait, I mean, I don't know. It was it was kind of strange what they focused on. Do you know the guy who directed it? What is his name? Bellinger, Bellinger. He direct Joe, Joe or Jim. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he directed the Zac Efron movie that is coming what? out where Zac Efron plays Ted Bundy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called... Um, uh, three words. Extremely evil, vile yeah. or something. So Zac Efron plays Bundy. Yeah, very attractively. The same guy directed this four-part documentary and that movie. Isn't that interesting? That's a lot of, that's a lot of Ted Bundy in your it's life. a lot of Bundy in your life. I know. And yeah. he's actually starting to fight with people online, which is always hilarious to me <laughs> as, as a housewives historian. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, oh, he's already starting to fight with people on social media because he's like, I'm not out here trying to glorify Ted Bundy. It's like, mm, aren't you? What are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with your time, Ben? What you doing, Jim? 
Joe. I mean, if it were interviews that he did to help his movie, I could understand. But this is a just a different thing. Yeah, it's totally different. I and, and guess what? Guess who's the real you know hypocrite here? Me, because I'm going to watch all of it. I watched all of this. I'm going to watch the Zac Efron movie. I'm going to watch anything. Well, it has that Haley Joel Osment in that movie, the one oh, with Zach. Yeah. And ha- we had him on fairly recently. I heard his interview with Jenny. Huge fan now. I'm a huge fan. Adorable, tiny. He's a little, uh, he sits in my pocket and he's become my new best friend. I talk to him every night. He is really funny too. He's so funny. He was great. I loved him. Well, you know what? Next time, let's we're going to talk about abducted in plain sight and some other things <laughs> because Michelle and I already decided we're going to wear bracelets that say, what would Jan's parents do whenever we want to <laughs> remind ourselves not to do something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, those people. Right. Every decision you make, you have to ask yourself, am I being like Jan's parents right now or am I yeah. not being like Jan's parents? Yeah, but uh, tell people where they can find your podcast because you definitely, definitely are going to work on it. It's gonna, it's gonna. I, I've done win two months. I had just it's boiling in me. Wait, maybe when you named it, you were taking it like too literally, like never tell your stories. Exactly. I should have said maybe you should occasionally tell your <laughs> stories more than as much as you're doing. Tell your stories um, weekly. <laughs> don't, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Maybe every other week. Tell your stories bi-monthly. <laughs> tell your stories. Uh, never tell your stories. You can find it where any podcast is found. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And you are. Yep. And you're on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. And I do my lunch bag philosophy for my son, which I think is just the best. It's my new hashtag lunch bag philosophy. It so is the best. Check- <laughs> I enjoy it. I feel like you're packing a lunch just for me every day. I read it every day. I love it. I love you. I think it's the it, best I idea. Thank you. Of course, we can find you on the Jenny McCarthy Show on Sirius XM Stars, Channel 109, every day of the week. Every 10 to noon. Yeah. If that's Eastern. I love you, Erin. I love you, too. Let's talk about uh, murderers again soon. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, you guys. And thanks to Michelle Likowski for coming on to talk to me about Ted Bundy today. Like we said, we will be talking about abducted in plain sight soon if we can bring ourselves to even discuss Jan's parents. But until then, um, I'm going to be coming at you tomorrow, Thursday of this week, with a recap for Seeking Sister Wife and Love After Lockup with Mary Payne Gilbert. As promised, we'll be doing this every single week. I'm also going to be talking to you, of course, about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiere, which is happening this week. It will have already happened by the time this podcast is released. And so I'm going to be talking to Mandy Slutsker from the Is This Real Life podcast to discuss our thoughts on the premiere. I'm really crossing my fingers that it's going to be a good season. And when I mean good, just like high drama, some realness. Maybe we're going to see Dorit and PK lose all their money. I don't know. I'm hoping for something like that. But then again, we could just be see people you know, being late for dinner and fighting over nonsense. Anyway, it will be it'll be worth watching at least until it's not. I'm always in for housewives. I mean, I can't give it up. I just cannot. So come in with me. Come over to the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook page and join the conversation on everything. Real Housewives, Love After Lockup, the 90 Day Fiance Hangover. We are all experiencing with these trash boxes from season six. 
You can talk about pretty much anything you want to over there. We have fun. It's a great group. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Erin Leah Martin. You can check out my written recaps for Love After Lockup on realitytea.com and catch me on The Jenny McCarthy Show this Friday at around 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 Eastern, to talk about Real Housewives Roundup. And uh, maybe get into some Seeking Sister Wife and Love After Lockup, too, because Jenny's into those shows. All right, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Remember to look for Mary Payne and I coming out with our recap tomorrow. And until next time, I will see you in reality. y'all this is maddie and jake from 90 day gays we normally talk about 90 day fiance on tlc but today this is a stay cast from a cast more like a gay cast we are here in los angeles and we are listening to our local government officials staying home and practicing social distancing that means you can't have tricks over jake fine but by the time this quarantine is over i'll be a nun sister mary poodle how do you solve a problem like a poodle now if you're going crazy at home might we suggest a great a cast show hollywood crime scene it's wonderful, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, Kyle.